You're listening to It's In Our Nature, the podcast that celebrates the connections between people and nature, with host Adam McLean, the Nature Conservancy's Missouri State Director. For more information, visit nature.org forward slash Missouri. Hi, friends. I'm Adam McLean, Missouri State Director for the Nature Conservancy. Grab your paddles, kayaks, and canoes, because today we're talking paddling with a good friend of ours and someone you will want to know if you don't already. Rue Yawitz is the owner of Big Muddy Adventures, a professional outfitter slash guiding company who provides access to the wild wonders of the middle Mississippi and the lower Missouri rivers. It's hard to live in Missouri, specifically St. Louis, where Big Muddy Adventures is located, and not celebrate two of the largest rivers on this side of the earth. We're going to chat with Rue today about his adventures on the river and how you can join them on a scheduled trip or just work with Rue's crew to plan your own. So, Rue, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, great intro. <laughs> Thanks for inviting us to your office. And I will say, like, sweet digs. You got a new office pretty recently. Yes. Yeah, we, uh, we are just settling into our new space uh, in Midtown. We are um, just in the shadow of the Fox Theater over here in St. Louis. And... Um, it's allowed us to, you or know. Are they in the shadow of you? I don't know. The fox is pretty big, oh, yeah. so it depends. Okay. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, we're uh, we're we're just setting up shop here to um, run the back office of the business uh, with Big Muddy Adventures, and we've invited a couple other um, like-minded organizations and to join us here. You've got quite a crew here. here. It's yeah, awesome. so it's like a little little um, river incubator kind of situation, outdoorsy incubator. I love it. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we're going to talk um, paddling, the rivers, all this stuff. So we're going to start at the very beginning. Do you do you remember your first paddling trip? So my first time in a canoe, well, I, I don't know if it was a paddling trip. I know that when I was in fourth grade, having just moved back to St. Louis from New Jersey, I went out to the Hoosaw with a friend's parents. Good choice. We had a pop-up camper that everybody slept in where like the mesh windows were not tight enough. So they kind of like fell <laughs> on you while you were sleeping. Um, and so on that trip, I was probably in an inner tube. So I don't know if that counts as a paddling trip, but it. it was definitely like, I would call that your first river experience. Some of my first river time. Okay. Um, and I did that a bunch of times um, with that family, which turned out to be kind of a formative um, part of my my life was getting out and uh, getting on some of the small creeks and streams, um, you know, that are within a day drive of St. Louis. Yeah. Well, that answered my question. Like, were you, my next question was going to be, did you grow up with this or did you pick it up as an adult? But it sounds like you were exposed a good bit when you were growing up and then it turned into more yeah. later in life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It wasn't, my parents uh, were not outdoorsy at all and were not interested in camping or anything like yeah. that. Luckily, some of my friends' parents were, and so I got dragged along um, out to, like I said, the Black River, uh, Hoosa, Codaway, you know, most of the close rivers. I'd never made it out to um, the Jack's Fork or Eleven Point or any of the yeah. um, even nicer rivers, but, you know, they're all great. Yeah. So, um, and then, yeah, then basically um, went on and off, uh, did a lot of rock climbing as a kid and took some time off from paddling. Um, after college, I did two amazing 10 day trips into Quetico provincial mm -hmm. park in Canada. So, you know, cruised right through the boundary waters into Canada. And that was kind of when the, um, the paddling bug was just fully yeah. 
you know, in. Yeah, you start and portaging canoes and yes. throwing them on your back. You're like, yeah. Yeah. I'm just a, I'm a mountain man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's definitely a feeling of accomplishment when, when you're, you know, fully on your own for nine or ten days in a completely wilderness experience. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, realizing that a canoe is a great vehicle for doing that. Yeah. Only just kind of cemented my love for all things river and paddling yeah. and all that. Did that, I can't picture New Jersey. I haven't spent much time there. Did, were you able to do much of that in Jersey? No, and no? that was like, I mean, I was, you know, six to eight years old. Okay. So, uh, but I mean, yeah, it was, we weren't in an urban environment or anything, but yeah. it definitely the beginning of my outdoors uh, life was when I moved back to St. Louis. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. How about first trip on the Mississippi? Um, do you remember it at all? And how did it, how did you get there? Why did you do it? And what did it change your mindset about what that river is and looks like and means all that good stuff? Yeah. So these, tr these stories are intertwined, which is that the, the, how I got involved in Big Muddy Adventures and my first trip on the Mississippi is all the same story. Hmm. And it all goes back to Big Muddy Mike, the founder of Big Muddy Adventures. So March of 2008, when I had just opened um, a live music club called The Gramophone, not far from here, in the Grove neighborhood, um, we opened on a Friday. That Sunday night, we had a young blues player named Marquise Knox, uh, and there were about 18 people at the show because we were brand new and no one knew we existed. And it was 2008, which it was, was a, not a great year to start a business. I don't yeah, think. I mean, it, it was yeah. it was okay, yeah. you know. I mean, there's it's never there's never a good year to start a live music club. Yeah, okay. no matter how good the economy it's gonna is, it's going to take work. It's a yeah. tough business. Yeah, but um, so yeah, so we had a blues show, and a guy pulls up in a four wheel drive Astro van with a canoe strapped to the top of it and walks in um, with some calf-high neoprene boots uh, <laughs> that were covered in mud. And it was our third day of ever uh, being open, so the floors were like brand new. And he tracked mud into uh, the gramophone, <laughs> walked up to the bar, ordered a, a beer, and we started chatting. And that was the beginning of uh, my uh, now, you know, decades-long friendship, or decade-and-a-half-long friendship with, with Big Muddy Mike. Um, I was very um, involved at the time, obviously, with opening a business, so it took two years. Mike and I have argued over the campfire about this chronology to no end, as mm -hmm. you can imagine. I think we met, I know we met in 2008, because I know when that concert was. Yep. I think two years later, he finally got me to go out on the river with him, okay. having told me that this is a thing that you can do, and even as a paddler, like a lot of St. Louisans, I didn't realize um, that it was safe to go out on the Mississippi or that even if it was safe, you would want to mm -hmm. because my experience with the Mississippi was what a lot of people's is, which is what you see from the arch grounds, yep. um, which is just not the most scenic stretch of this amazing river, mm -hmm. um, you know, that flows from Lake Itasca to the Gulf of Mexico. You know, if you stand on those arch steps, and you look across at the casino and the train tracks and the grain silo, it just doesn't, mm -hmm. it's not exactly awe-inspiring. Yeah. So anyway, we went out over to Mosentine Island, which is now like a second home. And um, 
Mike wanted to gather driftwood for a fence that he was building around uh, his house. So it was kind of like a Tom Sawyer mission. <laughs> uh, we were picking up massive pieces of driftwood, putting them back in a canoe, ferrying back to North Riverfront Park, which is close to where he lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then ferrying back. So we did multiple trips back and forth to Mosentine Island. And so it wasn't necessarily a river trip, yep. but we were out there on the river and um, it was great. It was just a great day. And, you know, at the end of the day, I felt like I had left St. Louis mm. and I had gone and had an adventure somewhere besides home. You know, you had, I had that feeling of returning home from going somewhere, even though I had never, I hadn't been more than 20 minutes from my house. Mm. And that was, you know, kind of the aha moment. Um, and then I went back to, um, trying to run a live music club for a couple more years and then became better friends with Mike and circled back with him in 2015, which was when I kind of took on a more, um, like an actual business role. Business model. Yeah. yeah. So that probably answered more than your question. No, it was great. Go. And I think it leads to one of the things you just referenced um, that I think is ingenious about um, Big Muddy is that it shows people how close an outdoor adventure truly is. Um, and I imagine that has to be fun, like seeing that in the eyes of the people that you take out there on the trips when they have that same moment, like, wow, I feel like I'm on an adventure and I'm only... 20 minutes from my house or whatever it is. So what is that like when you take a new group out um, to show them how close outdoor adventure truly is to them here in St. Louis? Yeah, it, it is very much like that. It's, um, you know, we still have to fight some of the negative stigmas of the river. I mean, we've had an unbelievable amount of success convincing people that this is something that they want to do, partly because now enough people know someone that have been out with us that there's a, you know, we have a word of mouth thing going on in yep. a really good way. But yeah, to that point, um, it is really neat to see people go through the progression during a day trip of being nervous about what we're going to do and apprehensive about how big the river is to being comfortable out there and realizing, you know, we know what we're doing. We're going to have a great day. And yep. then people fully just relaxing, you know, we're on an island, you're eating lunch, maybe you're having a delicious local craft beer um, and, you know, just really decompressing. But it's like you can pack all of these things into between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. And, you know, we call them like micro adventures in that going, leaving St. Louis and going out and seeing Yosemite and going and seeing the Grand Tetons. You know, these are all amazing experiences that everyone that can should do. But it doesn't take as much work to figure out how to, you know, dedicate six or seven hours to going out on the river in St. Louis. Yep. So you can have a mini version of, you know, an adventure. Um, and then at the end of the day, you know, a lot of times, you know, we get from people the same things that I was just saying, you know, I didn't know you could do this. I didn't, you know, even if you could, I didn't know why I'd want to, this right. is great. Like, why doesn't everyone do this? You know, why don't, why a lot of people ask us, where is everyone else? You know, why once they realize that they're having a good time and that um, paddling on the Missouri or the Mississippi is, you know, an awesome thing to do, they immediately wonder where everyone else is. Yes. And it's like, well, earlier today, you didn't even think you could do this. Right. So, um, you know, and that's so it's definitely part of the fun is 
people you're evangelizing. Yes, yeah. and 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 you know we think that you know it changes your because our own experiences were th- such that it changes your perspective on St. Louis when you go out on these rivers and you not only whether you roll into downtown in a canoe and you can see you know the topography mm-hmm. of why we're actually we physically mm-hmm. are where we are downtown it's really cool but more than that it just changes it can change your perspective on the rivers are an asset to this city that can never be taken from us you know we talk a lot on these trips about how fortune 500 companies can come and go and you know it, it the city takes a big kind of like emotional hit when we find out that you know some company got bought out by some other mm-hmm. company and things like that so then so there are things to st louis that are permanent and the rivers are those and we need to that we already have the opportunity to have these rivers be something we all feel good about about why we choose to live in st louis mm-hmm. because you can see other cities doing that with their natural resources but we don't do it here but it's just like we're leaving it on the table it's available to be something that we that makes us all feel better about st louis source of pride yeah yeah, if we just will embrace these rivers Hmm. in whatever way you know people want to it doesn't you know it's not if you live in denver it's not about you don't measure how you feel about the rockies just based on the number of days that you go skiing like you feel good about living in Denver mm-hmm. because they're there. Right. So that's, I think, hmm. where we could be with the rivers in the future. So it's ultimately the foundational sense of place. Um, you're saying, I mean, the rivers, those rivers should be foundational to our sense of place here in St. I Louis. I mean, it, they're existential to St. Louis. I yep. mean, there is no St. Louis without the confluence of the Missouri and the Mississippi. Yep. It's very literal. Yeah. You know, so. Do you ever... Speaking of that and why, how St. Louis got there and all this other stuff, when you're out paddling, do you ever have like a back-in-time moment where you're like, you feel so isolated that you can transport yourself back 300 years ago, what it would have been like paddling down that river, up that river? Yeah, area? I think, I mean, there's definitely stretches. Um, there's a surprising number of stretches of the Missouri, even in the St. Louis region, where you've got 360 degrees of view of no human built elements whatsoever. Mm. And so, you know, being a river nerd, I know that, you know, for the last 180 years, the Corps of Engineers has been channelizing the river. And, you know, I know all of the changes that we've made and that it doesn't look like the river looked. But yeah, of course, I mean, you know, um, one of the places that you get the most of that is like, um, in the back channel behind Cora Island, which is, you know, part of the Big Muddy Wildlife Refuge mm-hmm. uh, in St. Charles County. You know, it's just one little piece um, of what was thousands of braided islands all over that, you know, piece of bottomland between the two rivers. But, you know, the Corps of Engineers has kind of let the river reconstitute that island. And when you go back there, you can see that the the back channel that creates the island is now creating its own back channels and creating sub islands off of Cora Island. And so you can kind of just see the river doing what rivers want to do. Yeah. Um, so in that way, you know, that's more like, you know, looking at geological time. Right. So, but yeah, it's, um, it's awesome. How about Huck Finn? You ever wanted to go all the way down to the Gulf? You just like been out there sometime and like, I can make it. 
do this. Yeah. It'd be fun. I would definitely love to do um, a source to sea trip. My my plan is very far in the future and involves convincing one of my kids that mm. they want to paddle, maybe bringing kids in for different stretches, mm-hmm. you know, maybe when they're in college or something like that. Awesome. Where, yeah, I it's definitely. like your Appalachian Trail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and that, you know, the paddling the entire Missouri, um, whether you stop at St. Louis or continue to the Gulf or doing the whole Mississippi, I mean, they, those are the paddling versions of the great hikes, you know, mm-hmm. the PCT, the Continental Divide Trail, the AT, um, and they are, right now, the numbers of people doing those are more like how few people did those hikes in the 70s. Yeah. You know, there might be 40 people that paddle the whole Missouri this summer, yeah. but there's going to be untold thousands of people out on the Appalachian right. Trail. Yeah. It, so, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of neat. And that's another fun thing about what we do and where we're positioned in St. Louis is um, people stop and stay at Mike's house uh, when they're coming through St. Louis because he's known on the in the River Angel Network as being a place that you can crash for a couple of days <laughs> nice, and yeah. rest up in St. Louis before you continue down the river. Very cool. So talk to me about Big Muddy. How what what does the business model look like? What do you um, how does it operationalize itself? What all kind of stuff do you do? Um, guided trips, school groups, individuals, help planning. Walk me through what the suite of options are if someone reaches out to big muddy what what kind of options are they going to have to do something like this sure well i mean you you nailed it you just you you're welcome you could yeah you could probably take matt's job no oh uh, matt no <laughs> no i stink at making coffee he's too good um <laughs> so yeah we the the business of big muddy adventures is definitely growing um and we're expanding what we do uh, the outfitting side of the company was, you know, the entire operation two years ago. Um, and it's growing in that the number of public trips we offer continues to grow. Then on behind the scenes, kind of the stuff that you don't see on the website as being publicly published available trips would be what you mentioned, youth trips, private trips. Uh, we have more companies wanting to go out and do team building stuff and mm. overnight trips. And we work with... Um, church groups and charter schools, public schools, uh, Boy Scout troops, you know, any, any, you know, uh, bachelor parties, 40th birthday parties, you know, any, yeah. So it's really nice because the number of people that, you know, have heard about what we do or have been out with us and then want to put together their own group uh, is growing, which is great. So we've been staying really busy on the river. Um, You know, COVID was, challenging time for everyone of course um as your listeners probably know uh a lot of people decided to go try outdoorsy stuff Mm -hmm. in 2020 (laughs) um and so good luck finding a road bike during the pandemic exactly yes so we um we were able to you know navigate that um and ran you know maybe half of the trips that we thought we would have done in 2020 ended up happening um you know we had to just navigate all of the regulations that everybody was dealing with and stuff like that. Um, 2021 was great. And, you know, it's shows that the demand increase for what we're offering doesn't show any signs of slowing right now, um, which is great, partly because, you know, we're just still getting the word out. I mean, it's not like, you know, we're not delusional enough to think that we're really that well known, 
but we are well known enough to sell the trips that we are doing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, in the fall, we opened uh, a store. So now we have the outfitting side of the business and a retail presence. Um, the store is called The Guide Shop because the guides built the store and yeah. stocked it and are working at it and stuff like that, partly because we don't have anybody else but <laughs> guides. So um, Where is it? It is um, behind Bowwood Farm in the Central West End. So that's 4662 Washington. Um, it's an old star gas station hmm. that um, the team at Bowwood was using to store seed. And so it was just kind of sitting there. Uh, it's a really cool building. Uh, we got in, obviously cleared out the seed, fixed it up a little bit. Um, and, you know, we're trying to sell a combination of technical paddling gear for people who are already paddlers or who are going on a trip with us, but also just a little bit of general outdoor stuff. You know, it's a small shop. So, you know, if you we're not, we don't have 17 different types of tents. We have right. two, but we think they're good ones. Yeah. You know, it's a two person and a four person. So it's kind of like we did the work yeah, for you. Right. And it's a curated kind yeah. of selection in that way. Um, and it's really allowed us to, We've we've off we've wanted to have a physical presence um, for a long time because on our trips we meet people at the river. You know, we either meet you at the takeout and yep. drive you up to the put in or vice versa. You know, but for someone who is interested in talking to someone about a trip or yep. just to hang out, you know, we have a, a like base a, of operation. Now, yeah, too. we have we just have a place where you can go talk to a human being in person about doing a trip with us um, and then also buy some gear if you want, hang out. Uh, we have a happy hour every Thursday called River Rat Social Hour. Nice. Uh, we have a... Live music jazz. Are you combining the two yet? No. We, we, those, uh, the, the social hour will have music sometimes, but not uh, all the time. But there will always be refreshments and sometimes a fire pit going and stuff nice. like that. So, um, yeah. So that, that stuff's going pretty well and then we had a shop opening party with some live music uh we have a cool kind of like fenced in yard hangout area outside the shop so that the outside area is actually bigger than the inside area where we can sell as stuff as it should be yes exactly because it's an outdoor store um and then the other new thing with big muddy adventures is january of this year um we became the only u.s dealer of clipper canoes which is a brand of amazing canoes made in um, Abbotsford, Canada, outside of Vancouver, that have only been available to U.S. consumers by driving up to Canada, yeah. buying a canoe at one of their Canadian dealers, and then driving back down. So we took a shipment of um, a bunch of amazing canoes and uh, added some warehouse space and threw them in the warehouse behind our other big canoes that we use for the outfitter. Um, and so we're, we're trying to get the word out um, a little bit more regionally uh, because we, these are great canoes for the Ozarks, but we also want to get the word out to, you know, like the, the whole middle of the country. Mm -hmm. Any, anybody where it's, it, it's easier to get to us in St. Louis than it is to get to Canada. That would be our, the market. <laughs> that's, that's our sales area for these Clipper canoes. It's a nice region to have. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty big. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, so those things uh, are all kind of new developments. What about a Clipper-sponsored Clipper MR340 racing team? I think you should probably have that to 
bolster awareness of the Clipper canoes, don't you think? Yes, I think we should. So we've already sold multiple canoes for from Clipper for people who um, are going to be in the 340. Nice. So there will be some Clippers in the 340. We did the race last year with the Junebug canoe, which is obviously handmade. But we um, we have put the word out that we were willing to put one of our 30-foot Clipper canoes in the 340 if someone or an organization, for example, wanted to rent it and, and use it. Wow. So I throw that back to you. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> All right, so I said MR340, like everybody knows what that is. You want to cover what that is? It's pretty cool. It is. And a nice way to introduce, well, not enough if it's introducing people to the Missouri River, but it, uh, boy, what an event. Yeah, so the MR340 is the Missouri River 340, 340 miles. Um, it is a canoe race, or it's a paddling race um, that is about to, July will be its 17th year, and um, it runs from Kansas City to St. Charles uh, over the full moon in July when the river conditions allow. Um, and I had never experienced it until last year. Um, I had been meaning to do it, but we decided to take the week off and put the whole company in one canoe and uh, run the race, and we had an awesome time. Um, I don't know that I would say what that. What did your shareholders think when your whole leadership team was going to go down so potentially on the, the river? You're not allowed to do that. Like risk and leadership compliance team has a, to fly separately. Yeah, no, you're right. The uh, yeah, our entire risk management uh, department <laughs> just was in a tizzy about it. Uh, so yeah, we had a great time. Uh, we made a lot of new friends. Uh, we gave out a lot of big muddy adventure stickers on the river. Uh, we gave out some cold beers uh, to people that really, really uh, were appreciated that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, a, it's you know, um, it's the longest contiguous paddle race in North America, meaning there are races that are more miles than the 340, but they have stages. And the 340 is the longest race in the country where they just shoot off a gun in Kansas City and whoever hits the beach in St. Charles first wins. So... You sleep if you want to. If you want to win, you don't sleep. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, Scott Mansker uh, is the, the genius behind the MR340. And, you know, what started, I don't want to tell his story because you could probably mm -hmm. get him on here to do that. But, you know, what started is like, I wonder whether anybody wants to paddle nonstop from Kansas City to right. St. Charles and like eight people has turned into something where people travel from all over the world to do this. And... I think the race is another way that we can show off Missouri because what better way to see the state of Missouri than by paddling the entire or, a, you know, a big part of the Missouri yeah. River in the state. Um, but, you know, it's just it's just something that we should celebrate. You mm -hmm. know, I I personally think that we need to make the week of the 340 just Missouri River week of the state of Missouri yep. and have everybody all over celebrate talking about it. the Missouri River yeah. while the craziest among us are actually out there paddling for between 34 and 88 hours. <laughs> I'm in favor of that week. And as the Nature Conservancy um, helped with one of the pit stops um, at Klondike, and boy, what a scene. It, it is a celebrate. It's a cool camaraderie to like advanced teams that are helping their paddlers and people that just want to come out to the ramp and watch it and look at it and you got all these volunteers that are cooking and supporting it it's a what well, it is a genius event and um, I hope more and more people continue to learn about it and come out and celebrate it and Missouri River Relief is doing a great job um, continuing to build 
that effort and support it and make it safe and accessible to a bunch of people. So kudos. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, and that's a big part of the, the 340 story right now is that it is now in the hands, the capable hands of the team at, at uh, Missouri River Relief. And so um, I only see the event getting bigger and better and, you know, having just figuring out how to even just leverage the event to make it um, more than just the people on the river. You know, what can, yep. what can people do to support the Missouri River um, during that race that, that don't want to necessarily get yep. in the boat and do the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. Festival or live music. Again, it all comes back to live mm-hmm. music. It could be little spots. Okay, so I'm, I'm picturing this moment, as and it continues to build with both Big Muddy and MR340 and all these different things of engagement, enabling conditions on getting buzz and excitement behind these rivers. Um, if that growing interest in paddling the Missouri River and being out on the Missouri River continues to take root, what effect do you think that interest could have on our waterways in Missouri? Um, well, I think that, you know, to steal a page from Missouri River Relief is, you know, they, they talk about river citizens and, you know, people care about what they see and what they interact with. And so I think that um, it's a good future for the Missouri River to have people out recreating on it because um, then you care, you know, that it's just much easier to get involved um, whether it's physically getting involved with trash bashing or, you know, going upstream, so to speak, and figuring out, you know, the Missouri um, is an endangered river, and we all know that it has massive um, challenges, you know, that are that need very creative long-term solutions. Yep. Um, so I think the more people that, you know, care about the river, um, the better. So, and, and there's plenty of room out there for everybody. I mean, it's obviously, it's a massive river. Um, you know, I think that um, physical infrastructure, boat ramps, uh, campsites, facilities in general, I mean, the Katy Trail, you know, if you wanted to create a way to interact with the Missouri River, uh, the, the Katy Trail is already an amazing asset to the Missouri River. A lot of people that use the Katy Trail that that's the way that they travel on the river. They don't mm-hmm. know that there's another way mm-hmm. to travel on the river in a boat. So I think there's an interesting way to have um, to leverage the Katy Trail. You know, we have the longest rail to trail conversion bike trail in the country um, along this amazing river for a big part of it. Um, but that yeah, was a good plug for one of our other podcasts that was just recorded that'll be out very soon, which is about the Katy Trail and yep. about Ted and Pat Jones. So, yep. Um, I'm we, looking we forward to reading the it. new book. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Uh, which I think came out on Monday. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't see any downside at all to um, getting more people out on yeah. the Missouri river. The more people with an affinity for the river, the better. Yeah. We just, you know, we need to, uh, you know, there needs to be, proper education about how to do it right and safely and we need to be willing to invest in some infrastructure to make it a little bit easier you know we don't yep. have enough access points on the missouri um you know between herman and the confluence to make um just to make it to l- lower we need to lower all the barriers to using the missouri and if 
one of them is there just aren't enough physical places to get on the river and get off the river. Yep. You know, some people don't want to do 18 miles in a day, and that might be the stretch between two boat ramps. Right. So. Um, Are you seeing, you've talked about some of the perception issues, obviously, with the river and how you're combating those, and um, a lot of that's word of mouth and getting people out there. So you see progress there, um, and then also some roadblocks to being able to access in more meaningful ways. But are you seeing any, are there positive developments that come to mind in the ways Missourians are living with their rivers that you think are positive that if we continue to build on would be great for the future? That's a good question. I think, you know, we're in this, you know, in the urban core right now in of the city of St. Louis. So it's hard to know You know, I think the growth of the 340 river race is proof positive that there is significant interest because a lot of those people are Missourians. You know, it does attract people from all over the country. But, you know, I don't know if that's a that's a tough question. I. I don't know what concrete actions are going on for example at the mm -hmm. jeff city level yeah. and things like that about you know the you know the water and soil ta you know all, yeah. like as a state we we support our our parks we support conservation you know we 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 do a lot of really good things in this realm but i think the missouri sometimes gets overlooked as for i, I don't investment. think people yeah, I don't think people realize the potential mm -hmm. that it could have for the state. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't necessarily maybe get brought into projects because maybe when you add the Missouri River into a project, you've just made the project bigger yeah. than the project that you can work on. Yeah. So. Because um, when you're and because you're looking because we've had conversations before. I mean, you view the Missouri and Mississippi in the confluence area akin to a national park. I mean, that, that it's that special. Um, yeah. And we don't, we don't treat it at that level. Um, we don't treat it like it's Yosemite in our backyard. We do. I, I, I think that's definitely true. We, we do not. And you know, I don't, it's not that I think that we shouldn't, you know, that there's no commercial use for these rivers, but yeah, that is a very different lens. If you, if you thought about the, um, the, the Missouri River as the entire river being a national scenic riverway and what would that look like and you know um, how many more islands could you reconstitute and how much more habitat and ecology could you let the river recreate you know mm -hmm. you do there's not necessarily a lot of work that has to get done if we just stop fighting the river it's going to recreate its own habitat yeah. from millennia and, right. you know, seeing that happen, it, it's the national park idea or the, you know, the, the protected river idea isn't as much about the river. It's about protecting the river to then let the river become again mm -hmm. the thing that you would want to protect. Yeah. Right now we have um, we have a, the Missouri River of today, which is an amazing river. But if it had the type of protections that we have been able to put on other rivers and let in 
get rid of some levees. And when I say some, I mean tens of thousands, you know. Uh, and if we just let the river spread out and, and recreate the nature corridor that it was, that's the river that you would say, yeah, of course that needs to be a national park. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, you, you have to be able, yeah, yeah, you have to be able mm-hmm. to picture what that would look like. And it, that isn't the river that we have today. Yeah. And the whole riparian corridor isn't the one that it was 500 years ago. Right. But if it had, if we had it, we would want to protect it. Hmm. You've got kids fairly young. What do you, uh, your greatest hope for their connection to the river or what it looks like? Some change that when they're your age, when they're your age, <laughs> what is that? Which is a long time. Oh my, yes. Very long. Um, what is, <laughs> what do you, what's your, do you have any hopes for them in that river? Are they intertwined at all? Yeah, I mean, my hope is that they're just willing to get in a canoe with me and spend multiple days on any river, yeah. you know, uh, because that, that that is, you know, part of our special time together yep. that can continue into adulthood for them. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't thought about it as far as the great rivers as much as just wanting to get my kids out on rivers to understand the importance of water quality and, you know, just general stewardship. Um, you know, we, we are, I think conversations about the Missouri and the Mississippi seem are so hard because the challenges are so massive, you know, that that is, it's, uh, it just takes a lot of, you know, long-term creative thinking to even be able to envision, you know, what that version of the Missouri right. that I'm describing would look like. Yep. You know, there wouldn't be six massive reservoirs on that version of the Missouri River, yep. which means the river would be 200 miles longer and we'd be able to, you know, return a lot of land to, you know, indigenous nations that had you know, their ancestral lands flooded, things like that. So um, that didn't really answer your question, but I, w- I would just love for my kids to... Uh, fall in love with rivers. To fall in love with the river and, and, and have the river, you know, uh, have some positive momentum, mm-hmm. you know, in that people in our time have, have been working on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> and not, awesome. And not feel like that they have to start from scratch. Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> where you did. Um, Speaking of positive momentum, um, you know, I'm just thinking as we paint this picture about what St. Louis has and knowing the Ozarks and the streams that you listed down there and Big River, MR340, people come from there, Katy Trail. Um, we have a lot of the component parts for the St. Louis area becoming more of an outdoor recreation destination. Uh, we have a lot of those components. What What's missing here? What do you think could help get more people out? to make that a reality that people this really is a destination city for outdoor recreation yeah i think it's definitely possible um i think we are already an outdoor recreation city that doesn't know it Mm. you know we we you you see it all over the place whether it's people out on mountain bike trails or driving around with boats on their cars and things like that um and i think that st louis has a really great range of um, outdoor recreation opportunities, both in different sports that you can do, but also in the, um, the difficulty range 
meaning that there's there are a lot of great entry-level activities that you can do in St. Louis and more advanced ones. You know, we don't have alpinist kind of mountaineering stuff yep. because obviously we are where we are. But um, I think that um, w- our location in the country, how easy it is to get here, and the fact that you can combine uh, urban and wilderness experience in a three- or four-day package in St. Louis where you can spend some st- – you know, basically, like you can, you can wake up on a sandbar um, on the Jack's Fork and have dinner at Bush Stadium, mm-hmm. eating a hot dog, watching a Cardinal game. Mm-hmm. You know, so that kind of being able to to do those things and not sit in traffic for eight hours between the two places. Right. Uh, so I think accessibility uh, is really key. And um, we need like the Bourbon Trail of outdoor recreation. Sure. Just like. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, water trails and the case, I mean, that's what it messaging it to me. It isn't about that. We need to add a lot of things. Mm -hmm. We don't tell our story well enough. We need to package it. It's just messaging. We need, you know, um, you know, terrain magazine is a great example. You know, they're, they're flying the flag for St. Louis outdoor recreation to St. Louisans, Mm -hmm. like read the magazine and learn about stuff that you can do in St. Louis. You didn't know about um, and you know, so we need to get out and get outside here and do awesome outdoor stuff. And then other people around the country will hear about it and want to come here and, and, you know, do the same. Yeah. Okay. Speaking, this is off topic, but you mentioned rock climbing. Do you still rock climb at all? Yeah, sometimes. Did you see that MDC has one out at Rockwood Reservation yep. now? Mm-hmm. Have you done it? I have, have not gone it? yet. I've driven to the parking lot because I didn't know what was going on. And I was like, oh, rock climbing. Yeah. It looks pretty sweet. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, M- the, the, that is awesome. It's the closest, you know, sport climbing to St. Louis. Um, also, Robinson Bluff on the Big River is open now, and they're going to have 300 routes bolted. Wow. Like by the end of this year, plus canoe or paddle in, paddle out camping. So, you know, there's some really neat stuff going on hmm. around. But I, you know, it's. Like I said, it's Bourbon Trail is an interesting thing. It's like Kentucky has, you know, one day there's seven amazing distilleries, right? And they do X. Then the next day they call it the Bourbon Trail and it automatically becomes three X, even though they didn't change anything. Right. They yep. just started yep. talking about it in a new mm-hmm. way. And then people from all over the country want to go to Kentucky and bike or drive or do whatever. You know, yep. so I think... Um, we, there's the opportunity for Missouri to do that, but I don't know exactly what that looks like. But it's all there already. Next podcast, let's figure it out. Okay. Which is like an hour of brainstorming. Sounds good. And then you mentioned bourbon too, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. Okay. What uh, I I did do some investigation on a website um, and thinking about questions for him. One I don't want to skip over is um, full moon float. That just sounds super cool that you do a full moon we do we do three a month we just finished okay so what take me take our listeners to there what what that is what it sounds like smells like sure looks like or doesn't look like because it's pretty dark yeah uh so the full moon float uh was kind of like the original named trip that muddy mike was doing going back 15 years, you know, every night on the full moon, he would go out on the Mississippi, go to an island, cook dinner, 
And back then it was calling his phone and saying like, hey, I heard you do this. Can I go out with you? And he'd tell you where to go and you'd show up and go out with him. So now we run three full moon floats a month, the mm. night before, the night of, and the night after the full moon. Um, it's up to 20 people, which for us is only two canoes because they're 30 foot canoes. Um, so they each hold 10 clients and a guide. And um, it's not always the same stretch of river. So it kind of moves depending on river level and um, when sunset is, when the moon's coming up, we're always trying to figure out the best place to be. Yep. So in general, you're gonna meet up with us in the late afternoon at the takeout, uh, get in a shuttle uh, with your guide with a big canoe on a trailer on the back. We're gonna go upriver on the Missouri or the Mississippi uh, between six and nine miles. Um, you know, get our gear on, get our life jackets on, talk a little bit about canoeing. Um, everybody's gonna, you know, kind of like put their personal gear and dry bags and get ready to go out on the river. Then we're going to take a short paddle to uh, an island beach uh, and immediately the guides snap into action, getting driftwood, building a fire, setting up some tables, uh, putting out people's personal coolers with their own delicious adult beverages. Um, and, you know, the sun setting, moon rising, maybe some appetizers, hang out. We have a cooking fire and a gathering fire so that you can either watch the, um, the you know, campfire gourmet dinner being prepared or just hang out at the gathering campfire and, mm. you know, just take it all in. And then, um, you know, we do a, a hearty uh, beachside dinner, uh, depending on the season, you know, mm -hmm. try to use local um, ingredients as much as possible. Um, and if the timing is right, the moon's out and it's a cloudless night. And so, you know, you're just sitting there around a fire, having eaten a great dinner on an island, um, staring up at the moon, chatting with your friends, making new friends and after a couple hours on the island, we're repacking camp, getting the fire out, putting everything back in and getting back in the canoes. Uh, you're stuffed. You probably don't want to paddle because you're so full. Uh, and that's the good part is that we don't go back up the river to where we started. We're going to go down the river to, you know, where we met up with you. And so uh, we'll have a nice paddle down to the river uh, or down to the takeout. Um, sometimes we're paddling into the arch. Sometimes mm. uh, we're taking out at a boat ramp on the Missouri. Uh, it just depends on the trip. And there you go. And then you're back home to relieve the babysitter by 11. <laughs> and you had a great night. And you tell all your friends. That's really great. I'm how often I'm, I'm picturing myself in that canoe. And I need to do it sometime. So I'm not just picturing it. Um, I'm imagining wanting to stop paddling for a while and just like, in pure silence sure do, do, does everybody get that moment where they're like let's just we definitely do that yeah um that's the hardest thing to do with the kid trips when we have oh, students out yep. but when you get you know when we tell people that you can't hear the birds right now because you're all talking so much yep. and then we get people <laughs> to actually do like 60 seconds of silence and then it's like the all the you know wildlife on either side of the river just ooh, sings ooh, ooh, ooh. yeah people notice things that they didn't notice before so yeah no it is, i mean it isn't it isn't an active athletic kind of activity to go out with us because we go with the current yeah. 
Um, you know, we ask people to paddle because if we're moving slightly faster than the current, it allows the guide to steer better. Uh, but uh, you know, it's not, um, you know, all of our trips. Yeah. yeah, It's not like an X games kind of like, you know, extreme experience. It's, you know, the rivers are big, but you know, five and a half miles an hour is not very fast. You know, you're so, once you're out there, you're in the flow, and uh, it's pretty relaxing. Wow. Okay, final questions. Um, uh, since you know a thing or two about sandwiches from Gramophone, favorite, and you've referenced beverages several times, so Rue's going out on a paddling trip. Your favorite sandwich to have or prepare, your favorite drink, and then what music? Oh, wow. Great question. Um, so I'm going to go out with a jive from the gramophone. Okay. That's my go-to uh, river sandwich. That's what, what on the trips when we don't make our own lunch and we use gramophone catering, that's the sandwich. Uh, it just holds up really well. Okay. And, um, you know, some of the gramophone sandwiches need to be eaten the moment they come out of the toaster, mm-hmm. right? When that's why you're there and you yeah. eat it as fast the as possible. Yes. So the jive does great on the river. So it's a jive. Um, I've probably got a 16 ounce can of citywide from four hands and hopefully, um, you know, am I listening to live? Did I bring a musician with me or am I just listening to my phone? You're listening to your phone. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, what, what fits the mood? Okay. Well, right now I've been, I am obsessed with the river kittens. It's a local duo. Um, and I've been listening to their most recent EP like crazy. Uh, so yeah, so I'm listening to the river kittens and, uh, sitting on an Island, drinking a beer, eating a sandwich. Love it. And hopefully you can find me doing that tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and to all our listeners, you could be doing that tomorrow too, if you reach out to Big Muddy Adventures. So, Rue, thank you very much for chatting today. It's been uh, it's been fun. It always is when I talk with you, and I, I feel um, a little more adventurous than I was before. So for anyone interested in learning more about Big Muddy Adventures, visit 2muddy.com. That's the number 2muddy.com. Or stop by the new shop, 4662 Washington Boulevard in the Central West End. Thanks for listening, and take care, everyone. <laughs>